0: All right, welcome to another weekly market update. On today's market update, we're going to go over several things. We're going to take a look at a $100 billion surplus from California. I think you're going to absolutely love it. It's it's incredible to see. I would actually encourage people to drive through it, drive by and through it in Mount View. You can easily see it from the outside. Apple return to work plan delayed and home builder sentiment falls to two year lows. Let's go right into it and let's take a look. Of course, this is a live stream. So if you have any questions about your thoughts about the, of what's been going on with the market, how it's been impacting the Bay Area real estate, please leave in the comments below and be sure to share this video with other friends because things are certainly changing. Now, we're also gonna go over the data of the week. And that has been a very popular request. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna share two, uh, two of those every other week. So once every other week, uh, so two times a month, we're going to take a look. So let's talk about the the updates of the week. Number one, the big news: California. I thought everybody was leaving California, and California had no money. California's hundred billion dollars surplus. What to know about Newsom's spending plan? I think the downside. I mean, I have a lot of I have a lot of thoughts about this, just given what we see and how this is being used, and just really things that, quite frankly, could have been done a lot better. But here are the big numbers, right? hundred billion dollars profits of the of the state so how will they plan to redistribute that or spend that money now that we have such a big surplus so we have a hundred they're going to spend 128 billion in education spending from transitional kindergarten through high school a record breaking sum that works out to this amount now let me ask you this how do you feel the school systems are in your local area um what are your thoughts below leave it leave it in the comments below like do you think you're going to see $128 billion of improvements. Or is that a drop in the bucket of things? And quite frankly, things need to be structurally changed, not just more money. $2.5 billion for housing, including $500 million to fund the conversion of vacant malls and storefronts into homes. So this is a really interesting thing. So, But why does there need to be this much money to convert a vacant mall and storefront? That also goes to different things, right? Like, why do you need this much money to do it? If it makes financial sense for for investors and for individuals, they would just do it naturally. So it's it's so silly, in my opinion. And it doesn't go that far. $500 million, like, for commercial plazas, how many commercial plazas do you think that is? It's probably not a whole lot. An extra $3.4 billion to pay down the state employee retirement debt. This is good. And I think there's also a $25 billion... $25 $25 billion in uh, uh, meant as reserves, uh, especially as there are headwinds ahead of us, especially in California, where we make a lot of our money off of taxes and also especially of tech companies. And so when people have IPOs and they have these liquidation events and they do transactions, they will be taxed on it. So those are has been very good over the last several years, especially during COVID. You can see California has made a ton of money and has a massive budget. Uh, throughout COVID, because they've also earned a lot of money. The issue now is: okay, we got some headwinds ahead of us. How should they be reserving that those funds when it comes to those rainy days? But in my opinion, I, I don't think this was a good idea. Like the fact is this: if if I if it were me running and how I would try to change this, and it's hard, I'm sure it's hard to change. But these are bigger things. Take a look at how much housing and how much development is happening in California. And they compare that with like Texas and Florida. So why does Texas and Florida, are why are they able to build so much more? Even though we technically, to be fair, have a much bigger economy than they do. We also make way more money than they do. It's It seems like it's somewhat simple. And, and there's a lot of things that can easily be changed if they're willing to put down with it. I mean, easily from just what is the right thing to do versus easy to actually implement. I'm sure that's a different story. Uh, But the fact is, see how much construction, all all the processes are going. I I saw Elon Musk's interview not long ago. Uh, He was on, I think, the All In podcast. If you haven't watched the All In podcast, I would highly recommend you watch that, especially for all of you in tech. You will guarantee greatly uh, enjoy that. And uh, he was on the show uh, recently, and he was saying, we built that Gigafactory in Austin. In uh, a matter of a couple of years, but if he actually, if they try to actually build that in California now, they would still be in the permit phase, right? And that's just ridiculous, because, you know we're we're able to kind of get by with tech companies when it comes to things that are not uh, that are not physical, but not material, right? So we can do things obviously with internet and things like that, and that goes well because we don't actually need the government to really do anything or lay anything down for us. But when it comes to physical building, California has been significantly behind. And a lot of that has to do with those things. Like People love and want to be in California, but we're doing these things that are not helping that versus other states have been very gracious with that. Whether it's lots of land and tax benefits and discounts for that, whether it's just the process of building is significantly faster. Right. And so it would have been way more insight, way more helpful if the government was able to do those types of projects than just give out money, right? Because that doesn't solve anything. Just giving out money doesn't solve anything. Like there's no real plan. And that's my concern when I see of these things. Same for the housing. Why give that? Why not you spend the time and effort to make it easier uh, of the process wise, right? To be able to build houses or to build lots of small houses. Right. If you, if you look at the cost of building these mini homes, even if you had a giant piece of dirt, uh, it's very expensive. Like it's crazy expensive. It doesn't make any sense. And so they're all the new construction you may see for yourself, like all the new apartments and things like that, they're all geared towards luxury, luxury homes. And, and that's the only way to do it for them. Uh, and so it doesn't make any sense for what they're doing. Uh, I wish a lot of the money could be reallocated and quite frankly, what would have been way better is they actually just lower the tax amount. Right? Give it, that's the easy way to give it directly back to the consumer. So then the consumer can spend more and do whatever they want with it, right? I mean, imagine if you lowered your your uh because other places have done it. I've seen it like I think Salt Lake City had done it uh this year or something like that. They had a surplus. They're like, you know what? It doesn't make any sense for us to do anything. We don't know what to do with this. Our our management of this money is terrible. Let's just have the individuals do it. Right, they can do whatever they want. They get more money in their pocket. Right? Imagine if it's a one percent drop in sales tax, that would certainly help individuals across the board. It's basically a one percent discount. So those are my thoughts. Um, but I mean, either way, it's obviously very positive news that the government has made this much money. But you could argue if they made that much money, did we get taxed too much to begin with? And you can argue yes. Look at the the spending budget now, right for for this year. It's a three hundred billion, the most, uh, the most ever, and last year was already a very high amount. So, what does Newsom want to do? Newsom wants six hundred million dollars to convert spaces like offices to housing. Will SF respond? Governor Gavin Newsom's massive three billion budget proposal includes six hundred million to encourage housing conversions, particularly in dense urban areas that have been hollowed out by the pandemic. I think mindset-wise, it's a good idea. Uh, there's a lot of office space. That could be great to convert. So it looks like there's been some. that I brought this up a while ago. That there's been activity to convert these, but they need to do it somewhat affordably, and that's the the question. Uh, I need to look at this. I haven't looked at that. Start, Star, Star City. Oh, sold a competitor last year. Turned, turn old commercial building into group housing. See, those are the, those are massive opportunities. We have so much vacancy right now when it comes to commercial space. I think it's like over 25 percent in San Francisco. They're in very good areas. They're already built. Like, what are the efforts to make it not just zoned, but also allowed for housing? You don't need all those office spaces right now. It's just it's just way too much. Rich you, thank you for support. Uh, <laughs> like most people, too many skeletons in the closet. Cannot do this. But I appreciate your support. You can root for me as your local realtor. Happy to do that. And uh, John, good to see you as always. And hopefully I'll see you at the next Tesla event. Next, one type of home loan has become cheaper than others as rate spikes. Here's what it means for Bay Area real estate. So, what's interesting actually is even though uh interest rates have continued to rise, that's that's actually for conforming loans, which are typically loans under a million dollars for most areas. You have the option to buy with like 5% down, but it's more about the dollar size. The the, the larger the loan size it goes, it becomes what they call is a jumbo loan. And historically, I would say. Maybe one or two years ago, jumbo loans actually were supposed to be higher than these government backed loans. Uh, but what's interesting is, is you can take take a look at this chart, right? So the chart actually shows, see, as I mentioned, it's been a, it's been a while that jumbos are typically higher. but you can see that there's actually been a divide. So jumbo loans are actually much less now. Jumbo loans tends to be more backed by investors maybe by big banks. Um, so they have the ability to subsidize their rates from with their other products, right? And so you can see that like, there's actually a decent spread. So while uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, the average rate of a conformal was 5.5, as an example, a jumbo was 5%. And to be fair, uh, jumbos are actually much less than that. Many of the big banks can incentivize even further, whether they use relationship banking discounts to buy down the money, to buy down the rate if you have money and other assets. So the thing with Jumbo is they actually have a lot of ways to subsidize the actual cost, even lower than what you see here, right? Um, and so just be mindful of that. Just because interest rates are higher on the macro level doesn't necessarily mean you as an individual have that, that kind of uh, similar trajectory. You may still be able to get rates as low as 4% today for a Jumbo loan. There are many ways uh, to do that. So uh, you, uh, so this is something to be mindful of and do not let that deter you too much. You still have plenty of options. And also just look at historically. I mean, I know most of the people in my generation, uh, the millennial generation, we haven't seen interest rates at this level, but it's also important to look at perspective. We've been very blessed and very fortunate to have ever been at this level for so long. Now we're probably moving into a more new normal for some time especially they're not doing enough to combat inflation. So just be mindful of that for at least a couple of years. But I suspect over a longer period, uh, interest rates won't be at this high for various uh, structural reasons uh, with the government too. Optimist always appreciate you tuning in. Uh, yes. Uh, we will do the market update of the data at the very end. So tune in for that. We'll do that in about five, 10 minutes. Next. Google opens futuristic Mountain View campus where 4,000 will work. New complex will be a green campus powered by thousands of drying-scale solar panels. So this is what I like to see, right? Like all these new architectural designs. If you haven't seen it, it's absolutely incredible. It's right next to the Shoreline Amphitheater. So a long time ago, maybe two, three years ago, I did a, I did a video shoot about Mountain View. So feel free to take a look into my playlist related to that. And you'll see, actually, it looks very similar to like the Shoreline Amphitheater. And initially, I thought it was a short amphitheater that, uh, that was that was doing their own new uh, facility, but it wasn't. It was actually Google's campus. And now Google, that will have 4,000 employees that will work there. So see what these companies are doing, right? Like if they were really going this kind of full remote, this this idea, they wouldn't be making these massive campuses. That's 4,000 amount in this one building, just to be f- fair well, not one building, but a, a small area that it's already in a prime area of Mountain View, look at what they are doing, like how, much, how many employees will be there. Compare this to all this noise of people moving to these different areas. Like the amount of people that are moving to these areas are way smaller than this one little campus that they have. And of course, Google has, I think like over 80,000 employees or something like that. I think they're trying to hire another 10,000 employees this year. Even right now, So a lot of companies are using this as a land grab, as this is a prime time to grab talent, especially as a lot of startups and uh, crypto companies are not doing well. Return to office numbers in Bay Area lag behind other regions. So this is what's been really interesting, right? And so, but it's, it's, it's been the case. While the Bay Area, right, it's mostly tech companies, you have also biotech, but let's say it's mostly tech companies. There's a lot more flexibility than others, and so the beauty of this that we have in the Bay Area right now is that people can live all over the place. They can live all over the Bay Area. They can live in the East Bay. They can live in Costa County. Obviously, some people even live all the way in Sacramento. Like, it's kind of all over. But the key and the cool part is the traffic is nowhere the same as it was pre-COVID. And so it's been way better just getting in and out. If, if you have friends or you know somebody that lives in Texas or in Atlanta or in Florida, what is traffic like for them now? A lot of their jobs and opportunities are not remote, and the way that they keep building the downside of how they how they build their cities is they keep building suburbs further out, and so as people want to move there, combination of their jobs are not as uh, flexible of remote work. The traffic has been arguably much worse than before, and it's a very difficult thing. They don't they're not spending much on public transit. That's just how it is. It's a very car centric uh, environment. So what's been interesting in that is you know, quite frankly, in the Bay Area, this is the least amount of traffic we've had in a long, long time and, and is granted with flexibility. The question, though, is with flexibility, will they still stay in the Bay Area? Will they only move to Sacramento? Will they, why move to Sacramento? Why don't they go even further out? Those are all questions that are that it's up to the individual to decide. But for most people, they have to be back in the office at least a couple of days a week. And so with that, many still don't move too far away. But it's really interesting to see. Next, Apple delays plan for Bay Area workers being office three days a week. So there's been a, I guess, a slight increase in COVID nineteen cases. Um, I don't really see that. So I think I think a lot of it has to do with uh, they've got they've got pushback. I think it's a lot more internally politically, and it's a it's a you know it's a shame in a sense, right? Like they're really catering to a very small percent of their employee workforce. Now it's a very big workforce, but those, those small, those, those people that are uh, challenging it have been very, very vocal. And so they could do something similar to, uh, you know, what Google does, which is, look, if you uh, want to work remote, reach out to your manager and have the conversation to your manager and have that as a separate thing. I know Meta does the same thing. A lot of these uh, large tech companies, Amazon does the same thing. A lot of Microsoft does the same thing. A lot of them do it. So I, I'm, very it's very interesting that they've been very hard on just the one notion of doing it. At the same time, like they have to have a stance. like if they really believe that innovation is in the office and it's about culture there, then that should be the situation. if they if you don't like it, then they should just leave. like there's if they really feel it's better for them, it's a it's open for them to consider other options, right so it's it's a very bizarre thing that they're dealing with when it comes to this decision. Now Tesla, on the other hand, you know, uh, I don't have this article, but take a look at this. Tesla other that they want people in every day, basically, right? They don't give a damn about these things, about this kind of work, remote work, uh, kind of BS shenanigans, which is, in a very different stance. And they're like, this is the culture. Apple is just succumbing to these a few percent that are just vocal about it. And so Tesla, you know, uh, Elon Musk famously said recently, uh, also in an interview, that uh, people in the Bay, not Bay Area, people. In general, even though Tesla has a very uh, strong, if you were to say, work ethic and work culture, uh, most people just want to just chill at home and not even work. And they just don't really care about progressing things versus like people in China. They're willing to build to burn that 3 a.m. oil. Look that up. Um, That's just how he generally feels about the workforce and people willing to put in work. People don't even want to be back in, don't even want to work, period, in the U.S., Versus he says, look, people are dying to compete and to get the jobs and the opportunity. And they're in the office, obviously, way more than what we are here. So very interesting, right, leadership. But at least he's consistent so that the people that want to work there, they're working for the mission. They're obviously working for Tesla's future uh, in terms of uh, getting to green and sustainable technology. At the same time, stock, the stock prices have done generally fairly well over over X amount of periods of time, but also it's a culture that they have built versus uh in this case, you know, who knows, right? Rich, you, I love this comment. Uh, yeah. Twitter employees, yeah, they work l- probably less than that. They just change a few things, just log in, message a few things on Slack a few times. Hence why, uh yeah, it's going to be a whole, that's why Elon Musk, if it were to even finish, they were going to, uh they were going to, what's it called? Cut like thirty percent of people, uh, because there's so much bloat in these companies. It's just crazy. So that's that. Uh, next, not good news, right? From a ten- from a home builder perspective, if you already think we have a shortage of homes, this is not good. When home builder sentiment falls to two-year low on declining demand and rising costs, that is very interesting, right? The demand is certainly less than it was before. Rightfully so, when tech uh, has certainly um, taken a big impact. That has certainly been uh, a lot of money has been gone, but also across the country, interest rates are much higher. People live a lot closer in other parts of the Bay Area, outside the Bay Area, much more affected by interest rates and affordability. So um, that's that's also a structural challenge. The fact is we don't have enough houses anyways. And so for them to slow down their build uh, is not a good sign, just even from a long term. The difference also if you actually look at it is there's not that many home builders left in the country uh, if you look at the last decade there's been a lot of consolidation of of builders and so the just pure number of competition and pure number of uh companies that are focused on trying to uh, uh build houses and de- do developments it's just a lot less so that doesn't help when it's it's uh it's been just been a consolidating industry and of course there's obviously much higher cost combination of labor and combination of just just supply in general, these things in general are a whole lot more expensive than it was one or two years ago. So for them, they're like, "Uh, I don't know if we should do this or if it makes financial sense in doing so. But time will tell. Either way, uh, it has certainly slowed down. It would be unusual if it didn't slow down. So let's take a look at the market data and let's see what's been actually going on, if there has been a real impact or not, and what my, my thoughts are moving forward. So uh, take a look at the data, right? Lots of new listings, 224, 231. This is much higher than it was previously. So this is the most it has been and probably will be as we wrap up to the summertime. You can see the contingent pending a lot less than before. Those are interesting things. This is San Mateo County. Look at the May prices. Wow. April has been extremely strong. I mean, look at these numbers. Crazy, huh? But May dropped significantly. Now, the key is it's still higher than it was in March and February and April. So it's so quite sizably higher. So it's all relative to when the individual made their purchase. And, um, you know, I think it will probably continue to adjust or maybe flatten. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, for condos and townhomes, same thing. You can see a decline. Santa Clara County, very different though, right? 595 new listings, 610 new listings. The contingent pending is much less. So you can see these ratios and the numbers are less. However, look at these numbers still. I mean, May is still higher than it was in April. That is fascinating, right? Still increase. That's, I didn't expect this. I thought things would at least flatten or decrease, but they still increase. Amazing. Look at condos and townhomes still increase. So, I mean, take it for what it is. We are in May 20th. Now these are numbers that have closed probably by the end of April, right? So uh, a lot of the things haven't initially impacted yet. I suspect these numbers will drop, but they'll probably drop anyways because we're going to be entering the summer season. Summertime is usually less uh, listings, but also less buyers. Look at Alameda County, though, right? May figure still increased 644 new listings. Look at this number. That is a lot of homes. A lot, a lot of homes. Look at contingent pending, significantly less than before. Whole lot more homes, less contingent pending. Uh, but look at the numbers they still have been very good i suspect they'll probably also adjust and decline um just as you enter the summer period still very strong still very strong as you can see for condos and townhomes uh let's look at the san francisco i don't think i i did update this so san francisco you can see has already declined in may for single-family homes condos and condos and townhomes they have already declined it's been much more flat though to be fair So in San Francisco, it's all about the specific unit and the specific uh, neighborhood. Some neighborhoods are doing a lot better than others. So that's a little bit different uh, for San Francisco. So that is it for this week's market update. I appreciate you tuning in as usual. I am going to be in Santa Monica starting tomorrow. I'll be there for a trip and I'll also be visiting Anaheim. So if you know anyone I should be meeting out there, please. Send me a DM. Send me a note. I'd love to connect with that individual. Of course, if there's anything, any real estate specific questions, if you're thinking about buying, selling, or investing, reach out to me. Love to connect. We can go over some options, talk about your specific situation, and figure out a game plan. 408-547-4590. I'll see you at the next one. Bye now.